You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to the Bunyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. I'm wearing maroon today. I don't know about you. I am wearing maroon today. I don't always wear maroon, but it's great when I can't. Wear a lot of black. As I forgot to mention during the Pantera list, which a lot of people really responded to, legends wear black. But I break that on Fridays. Wear maroon. Hope you're wearing maroon today to support the Bulldogs. When I thank so many of you that have reached out, you know, my wife had surgery on Wednesday. Uh, it was not a minor procedure. I don't want to get into a lot of detail, but uh, I, I appreciate your support. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm one of those guys, too. I'm such a creature of habit. I guess that's just kind of part of being an addict. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like a lot of change in life, you know, and that's the one constant in life they say is change. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't like having to divert from routine. And here I am recording in the mid-afternoon, and so – I apologize for the lateness of this, but uh, the bottom line is I'm just trying to live life on life's terms. And, uh, you know, it's been a difficult couple of days. But uh, but here we are. The show must go on. Had to get out and bring the kid to school and all that kind of stuff and go pick up medicines and all that kind of stuff. And you got to wait. You know, you got, you got to wait for that kind of stuff. And, and it was a delay at the pharmacy. I mean, you don't want all the details of my day, but it, it hasn't been a routine day by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm finally getting around to recording this. Hopefully tomorrow will bring some uh, repetition. I like game day. I like most one thing I love about football season is for a person like me that is such a creature of habit. I like the regimented part of football season. You get leech on Monday. We get offensive coaches and players on Tuesday. Defensive coaches and players on Wednesday. You know Thursday is the right day. Friday is uh, you know high school football night, and then it's game day. So. I like that part of it. I like having a schedule. I like having to know what to do every day. And so here we are. 
One, a couple of things I want to tell you, too. The first thing about – let's kind of think about game day tomorrow. I don't like to come off real preachy. I know sometimes I do. I don't, I don't intend for that to be the case. I just like for you guys to, for, for us to have a great relationship. I don't want anybody to think, oh, you know, well, Steve thinks he knows better. Sometimes I do, but I don't want it to come across that way, that I'm trying to like, oh, well, you know, Steve knows this and Steve knows so-and-so. It's not like that. This is your show, too. And one of the reasons that I started this is to kind of, you know, share Mississippi State information from a Mississippi State point of view. But I know we all want the same thing. So, again, I'm not trying to be preachy. But game day, listen, it's the first big game day we've had in a couple of years. You know, we had some games last year, limited attendance. And so, as a result, please expect some delays tomorrow. The first thing that I'll tell you, know where you're going to be. Know where you need to park know where you're going to be driving. That's one of the first things that happens. It kind of creates some tre- some congestion and some bottlenecking on game day is a lot of people have no idea where they're going to park. Have a plan. If you've got a parking pass, you should know. And it's important to understand, too, that your normal route may have changed. It may be impeded by some construction and some progress on campus, perhaps in town. And so let me remind you, do some planning ahead of time because nothing's more frustrating and say, well, this is where we've always gone. And then all of a sudden you get there and there's, you know, orange barrels and a sign up. And so to save you and everybody around you a little bit of time and trouble, look at that parking chart tonight. Don't just assume, oh, well, we were just there for baseball. Think lots changed. Like right around Humphrey Coliseum, you know, over there where lot one is for baseball and lot two for baseball. You know, they've had a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, blocked off. They've just opened some of it, but they're doing some of the, uh, you know, some of the infrastructure stuff for the new hump, you know, for the renovations for Humphrey Coliseum. And so, so it's been a little different. And there's some other things on campus, too, that are, you know, getting some renovation or perhaps getting some construction. They have done their best to kind of clean things up in anticipation of your arrival. But I'm just going to encourage you, again, take some time to know where you're going to go and our event management people, I love them to death, man. I really do. I, I really do. I think they do, do a really good job. Many of those people, Bulldog fans themselves, it's not just a job for them. They want you to have a good experience. Just so you know, as I'm waiting in line today to get medicine at the pharmacy, one of our very sweet event management ladies comes up to me and says, hey, are you ready for tomorrow? Do you recognize me? And, of course, I do. And she talks about how excited she is. For all of you to be here, oh, I'm so glad we're going to have the, the full crowd and everybody's going to be here. It's going to be great. It's so good to get everybody back on campus. I don't even think she went to Mississippi State. But because she is involved in Mississippi State game day operations, you know, she wants you all to have a good time. I really appreciate those folks. I didn't always feel that way, to be honest with you. You know, before I lived up here, when it was just kind of a single servant type thing, I mean, I only had to deal with those people. I thought they were kind of an impediment in the way. They're not. They're not. They're people that want to do a good job. They're people that want you to have a good experience. And so don't assume that everybody in a white shirt or a yellow vest knows where you're supposed to park or the best path to get to your lot. It is going to be a full crew tomorrow. And again, a little bit of patience goes a long way for all of us. Leave early. Now, also important to understand, masks are encouraged, not required encouraged not required which is the mississippi state policy at this point encouraged on campus not required of course if you're indoors it's a little bit different deal but since we're outdoors 
It's just an encouragement, not a requirement. Now, of course, there were a lot of you know hot takes in the media. You know, when LSU said they were going to require proof of vaccination and mask and everything else, that's not going to be the case at Mississippi State tomorrow. So, again, make some decisions for yourself about how you want to approach that, but it will not be a requirement. You will also not have to show proof of vaccination to get into the building. Not required. Again, a lot of people expected it. You know, once LSU did it, everybody's like, well, you know, SEC will be, everybody else in SEC will be next. Well, that's not the case. That may change down the road, but that's not the case for Saturday. And you're not going to get an email tonight announcing some last-minute change. You know, here's the thing, too. If you look at what Tate Reeves has done the last couple of weeks, Governor of Mississippi Tate Reeves, a couple of weeks ago, you know, they, I guess, released some new guidelines, and there were no mask mandates for outdoor venues. And so a lot of people are kind of sitting around waiting on an announcement from Mississippi State you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Southern Miss state-funded institutions. And so they're going to they're gonna abide by the guidelines as set forth by the state government. So when you see those guidelines or you hear about guidelines being enhanced or relaxed or restricted, whatever, that's what will impact Mississippi State. It's not like the, the state of Mississippi is going to say one thing and then Mississippi State, Ole Miss say another. And listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't care what your school colors are. I hope everybody has a good weekend. I mean, there are some schools out there I want to lose. But, you know, there, for many people, they didn't get to go to a college football game last year. There were a lot of Mississippi State fans, because of their ranking in Bulldog Club, weren't able to get tickets last year. And so this is the first game for many in two years. For many of you, the first time you've been on campus for a college football game since the 2019 Egg Bowl, when Joe Moorhead beat Ole Miss for the second straight year. So let's, again, plan ahead and ha- have an idea of what you want to do. Now, a couple other things I want to mention. I'm not going to belabor the point a lot. But so the metal detectors, that is not a Mississippi State policy. That is an SEC policy. Everybody's going to have to go through the metal detector. Okay, so give yourself a little lead time before you get ready to go in. There are a few things that I'll tell you ahead of time. You know, when you get there, there are things you can carry in. There are things you got to put in that bag. So you got to put your bag, ladies or gentlemen, if you bring a bag, you got to put that in the little container, right? That includes your uh, your clutch purse, your seat cushions, and stadium chairs. And along those lines, too, there are not going to be any stadium chairs provided by the university game one. Now, the initial report that I had is that the vendor wasn't going to be able to deliver before the season was over. There had been a delay. And I understand the athletic department, marketing, everybody involved has worked with the vendor. There will be some rolled out, but the chances of it being 100% before November, pretty slim. Slim and none, for the most part. We do expect there to be some Mississippi State-provided stadium chairs probably in time for the LSU game. So that's, that's a ways down the road, right? And that's only going to be a handful. I mean, you know, there may be 1,500 or so, whatever. It's not going to be what it has been. So the restrictions on those stadium chairs brought by fans have been, have been relaxed. I was told there would be no restrictions. That said, let me encourage you, maybe abide by the previous restrictions because they were there for a reason. It's not just to give you guys a difficult time. It's to kind of make everybody around you better. So if you've got those stadium chairs with arms, probably best not to bring them. But bring a stadium chair you know, with no arms or a seat cushion, the old restriction said no pockets in a seat cushion. 
You know, they're, they're, I've been told, bring whatever you want. That said, just be smart. I mean, don't show up with a lazy boy recliner and expect to get that thing in. You know what I'm saying? And I know that's a little bit of a hyperbole, but, uh, but here's the deal. You know, let's just be considerate to those around us. I mean, you don't want to bring in, you know, some gargantuan, you know, seating c- cushion thing there and, and uh, impede somebody else's ball game. But all that, your clear, your clear plastic water bottle, you want to bring that, you can, your cowbell, all that stuff, keys, everything goes to the side. But you can wear your watch, your rings, your wallet. I can't wear my wallet. I got a chain on my wallet, but uh, many of you can. Your shoes, of course, coins, caps, all that good stuff. As always, if you bring the following items to the gate, you're going to have to go back to the car. Weapons of any kind. Pocket knife with a blade longer than four inches. You bring a pet, an umbrella, a non-clear stainless steel or plastic container, balls, frisbees, all that good stuff, and then a non-clear purse bag. You got to bring a clear bag. That hadn't changed. Kind of understand that before you get there. I want to save you guys a long walk back to the car. But again, remember, everybody involved wants you guys to have a good time. There's nobody out there doing anything to try to impede your ability to have fun and support your team. You need a lot of cowbells out there. You need the cowbells loud and strong throughout the ball game. Students, I love you all to death. I do. Two of you are, uh, are mine. And so, you know, what I say, I say out of love and respect for each of you, we're not going to have the 100-degree temps this year for the season opener. In the past, you guys have kind of bailed out at halftime. And I, and I under, understand it, especially where you guys sit. You know, you're kind of right there baking in the sun. I get it. Maybe dress for that. Maybe don't be like some folks up the, up the road and wear a sports coat or a tuxedo to a game. It's a college football game. It's not a prom. And so hopefully you guys can hang in there with us. I, I don't expect this to be a close ball game, and, and I think for all of us we need it not to be. But hang in there with us, all right? Hang in there with us as long as you can. You get some drinks. I mean, it's a 3 o'clock kickoff. You guys get plenty of time to get home and get showered and get to the parties. So come hang in here with us. Love you guys to death. You guys are often the lifeblood of our stadium. Your enthusiasm is unmatched. So come out there, be loud and proud, and cheer on your classmates and your favorite players. Have a great time. And then go flood the Cotton District. Should be pretty cool weather. I think the last I saw, the, the high for tomorrow is like 88, which is not chilly. But today, it woke up, got to walking around, take, took dogs out, feed them, Got a little chill in there, man. I, I like it. I dig it. They tell me it's going to be a really cold winter this year, too. So the sooner that like the autumn weather gets here, because it seems like some years we get like two weeks, you know, of fall weather. Like we go from 100 degrees to uh, 30 in like two weeks' time. I'm hoping we can kind of get some autumn weather. That typical October weather of my childhood is uh, was the highlight of the year, right? But, again – just kind of plan ahead, and please be patient with yourself and the people around you, please. And I say that because I love you, and I love everybody around you. I just want us all to have a good time. I don't want anybody to, to be like, oh, my gosh, it was such a disaster. And I know what's going to happen. You know, on Monday, you know, the, um, you know, I, I know what's going to happen is that all of a sudden, oh, well, this happened. I didn't have enough ice in my drinks. Guys, just relax just a little bit, Okay. 
I know last year we had some problems with the concession stands and uh, ended up having, we changed, we've changed vendors, we've changed sponsoring companies. I mean, there's like, there's been all kinds of issues the last couple of years and everything is a work in progress. And so I just ask you to have a little patience with everybody and let's go enjoy the ball game. Let's go win a ball game. Let's go win big. Let's just don't, let's not start win, you know, I don't know, 23 to 12 or something. Let's go put some points on the board and get people really excited about football season. I hope Will Rogers has a huge game. We're going to talk a little bit more about the ball game later in the show. But I just want to spend a little time, you know, kind of having a little fireside chat with you guys because, again, you know, a lot of this boils down to us. That's not to say there are people aren't out there that, that won't inconvenience you in life because they will. But a lot of that kind of boils down to us. And I, listen, everybody that's ever ridden with me will tell you I got road rage awful. Now, I don't carry weapons and things like that. You know, I don't ever threaten anybody, but I get a little impatient. And that's not necessarily them. That's not to say there's not some dumb drivers on the road. There are. But how I react to that is often negative. And that's a decision that I make. You know, even my youngest kid is like, Dad, just relax. Daddy, Daddy, calm down. It's not that big a deal. But in the moment, it is. I'm thinking, why are we going? What are we doing? Let's go. You know, I'll say that sometimes even if I'm in the car by myself, you know. And so, but a lot of that kind of carries over to all this stuff too. You know, it's like sometimes we kind of convince ourselves that all of this was put in place just to inconvenience us. And that's just not the case. So sometimes we got to allow everybody to be a little bit human, take a deep breath and say, you know what? All I got to do is get through this. And a few minutes later, I'll be sitting in my seat watching Mississippi State beat Louisiana Tech. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Many of you will make it to town and plenty of time to have lunch tomorrow at Bulldog Burger Company. That is absolutely the best place to go. That is your pregame filling destination. Love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too. And maybe if you can't make it to town, maybe you go watch the ball game at Bulldog Burger Company in Ridgeland and Tupelo. How about that? A great place to go watch a ball game. Even if it's not a state game. If you're just out and say, hey, I think I'm going to go have a few cold beers with the guys or the girls – you know, maybe perhaps Bulldog Burger is a place you should go. A lot of TVs in there. Got a lot of sports on for you. And great food. At great prices. Great portions. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too, if you don't already. Many of you are already experiencing that wonderful love affair that I have with the great restaurant-quality hamburgers of Bulldog Burger Company. Again, three great locations to serve you. University Drive right here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland. The newest one. You guys love it. You tell me all the time. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. We've got a lot to cover in a short time. So we're going to talk today. We're going to preview the weekend. Uh, we're going to do the top ten list. And then we're going to do uh, you know, our final preview of the season for Mississippi State opponents. That will be Ole Miss. And then I've got an interesting, uh, even though it's football season, I've got a baseball guy I want to tell you guys about, a legendary Mississippi State baseball player. Many of you probably don't even know. Talk about that in our final segment of the show. How about that? SEC football started last night. Of course, Tennessee took on Bowling Green. You guys probably were aware of that by now. A lot of football in the last couple of days. How about Jacksonville State beating UAB? A lot of people say, hey, Bill Clark's the next dude. He had a tough time getting a job. Maybe it's his loyalty to UAB. I don't know. But, uh, you know, you'd think that Bill Clark – with what he's done there, would have an opportunity to go somewhere else. But games like losing to Jacksonville State, not good, Bill. Not good at all. I guess this might be an even bigger upset than Jacksonville State beating Ole Miss a few years ago under Houston Knott. You guys remember that, right? Was it former Mississippi State baseball commitment Cody Blanchard goes over there and beats Ole Miss? Thank you, Cody. 
But I, I would say beating UAB, probably a bigger accomplishment. All right, so Tennessee beats Bowling Green 38-6. Bowling Green was awful last year, too. It's like I read some of the comments like, oh, you know, Tennessee this. Guys, you can't tell anything from that ball game. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the reality of life. It's, it's game one, you know, against a team last year that wasn't good at all. And Bowling Green was absolutely abysmal last year. I don't know if you guys are aware of that or not. It's like they roll them out there. They didn't win a game last year. They didn't win a single game. and got blown out in most of them. I think the closest they came to winning a ball game last year was against Kent State. They got beat 62-24. They were awful. And so, like, oh, man, look at Tennessee. That, that game was a tussle for a while. really was. But, hey, Tennessee's got a win in the books. So, uh, good start up there for those guys. 38-6. You know, I'll be honest with you. I mean, getting Josh Heupel was probably a, a big deal for them considering all that's going on. I mean, obviously you got to make some, uh, you know, so, oh, my gosh. I, I, I can't stand these little automatic music things. But anyway, you kind of get my point there. It's like you go get a guy like him, offensive-minded, with all that you're facing. I think it makes – I think it's a good get. you got to be committed to him for a while, though. It's not going to be as simple as, hey, let's get to uh, – let's get to Atlanta year two or three. But this ballgame was 14-6 to to half. It was tight. And then Tennessee, of course, takes over there in the second half. But, uh, yeah, that's why you play four quarters, right? I can only begin to imagine if uh, Mississippi State, it's 14-6 to against Tech at halftime. The social media and message boards will explode. That emotional investment will absolutely spill over. That's why we play four quarters. It's like so funny, too. Sometimes I go back and look at the game threads. Like for baseball, you know, it's like especially those games that we won late and as great as they were, you go back and look like in first and second, third, fourth inning. Oh, my gosh, we need to fire everybody. This guy's no good. This guy's a waste of a scholarship. And then, the, oh, yeah, we won. Yeah, yeah, we did. That's why we played on innings. All right, so let's look at the rest of the league. It's it's not a great weekend, but it's a typical first weekend. You know, you got a few teams that are in some decent ball games. But you know, a lot of this is just, you know, it's warm-ups. I mean, that's just the reality of it, you know. So, uh, Yo Monroe is at Kentucky. Obviously, Kentucky wins that ball game. You know, Kentucky's got a lot of questions on offense. Just not exactly sure what to expect from them. But defensively, Stoops has always been very good. They run some odd man fronts. You don't get a lot of time to prepare for that. You don't see it a whole lot. And so, Kentucky should be good defensively, should be a, a big win. And, of course, you know, the Kentucky-loving media, the ones that love Kentucky will be all over this, talking about how great the win was. It's not going to – it'll be a win. It's not going to be a big win. Uh, Rice at Arkansas, you know, I'm eager to see what Arkansas is going to do with K.J. Jefferson. We talked about that a couple days ago. I really like K.J. I do. I just don't know, you know what happens when he has to work deeper in his progressions because, you know, he's a tuck-and-run type of guy. Will he be patient enough? Can Kendall Browse and those guys kind of get him rolling – if they can, it could be a good year for Arkansas. It really could be. They shouldn't have any trouble this weekend. Alabama and Miami, that's going to be a big one. But listen, Miami doesn't have the horses. Love Manny Diaz to death. I do. And listen, they went out there and competed against Florida. You know, when Manny first got there, made it a game for a little while, didn't work out in the end. But they competed. And Manny will have his guys ready to compete this time too. But at some point, the difference in the weight program shows up. You know what I'm saying? The difference in the talent level will show up. 
the commitment to excellence will show up. And then Alabama win the ball game. I, I just don't think, you know, Miami has the horses. I think Alabama is a machine, as you guys do as well. Just line up and hand the football to a running back. Who, and even if it's somebody we don't know yet, just, I mean, just give the kid the ball. They'll wear you down. Uh, Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. You guys know my feeling about this one. I think State wins and covers. You know, Tech has lost a lot. Of course, they've got, you know, a new quarterback and you lose three of your top four receivers, your top two running backs. You bring in a brand-new quarterback, a brand-new offensive coordinator. That's a lot. There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. And I just don't know if week one is when I would want to see Zach Arnett. I had somebody tell me recently that about half of the blitz packages we ran last year aren't even in the playbook this year. That We've altered some things. We've innovated a little bit. We've changed some things, some different looks. And so if you're looking at last year's film and say, okay, well, this is what they do in this alignment, you're going to get beat. And you're going to get sacked. And you're going to get embarrassed. And you're going to get the cowbell clang in your ears. And that's the best thing about having a guy like Mike Leach and Zach Garnett. Because they understand it's not, okay, we can't just go out there and run the same stuff we've always run. A lot of people want to know, hey, Steve, what about suspensions? And there will be some suspensions from Mississippi State. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There will be. I don't think it's going to be anything close to what a lot of people are suggesting. And, and there will be some people that will be upset that have, you know, they're not in any way whatsoever involved with Mississippi State Athletics. They will feel like somehow they should have a say. But, yeah, we're not going to have nearly as many players suspended as Tulsa did. We're not. Now, I feel pretty confident. I think we all do. Malik Heath is going to sit. Now, some, somebody suggests to me, hey, he may sit multiple games. I'm told that's not the case. Not specifically about him. It's just that we don't have any multi-game suspensions. So, relax. But, yeah, if I had to pick today, I'd say definitely two, maybe three, possibly as many as four guys sit. But I would say, you know, you know that DeMonte Russell was in street clothes and threw a punch. That, that's, that's a no-brainer. That guy's got to sit, right? I mean, number one, he didn't have any business being out there. And number two, he throws a punch. Number two, Malik Heath was kind of the poster boy of that entire fiasco. He's going to sit. He is. I mean, I, if he doesn't, I'll be absolutely shocked. Outside of that, 
you know, I don't know. Is there a guy that sits a quarter? Is there a guy that doesn't start? Is there a guy that misses a half? You know, we'll see. And we'll find out probably about five minutes before kickoff, you know. Um, we're working the story. But, you know, don't expect Mississippi State to make some statement to, to tip off Louisiana Tech and give them any type of competitive advantage. You gain nothing from it. I know some of our fans you know, all summer long are like, when are they going to announce this stuff? Why, why would we do it? Why would we give Tech any, any, any chance to kind of prepare? We shouldn't. Tulsa. I don't know many of you watched this game or you kept up with it with uh, great interest. They lose last night to FCS California Davis Aggies. The UC Davis Aggies beat Tulsa 19-17. How about that? And then Tulsa's got to play Oklahoma State uh, next weekend. How about that? Looking at an 0-2 start. Very, very, very interesting. It's so crazy too. Like you, know, you read some of the you know the, the feedback on this UC Davis Tulsa game, and, and you kind of get a feeling that uh, you know Tulsa was kind of built to win last year, and then they did a decent job. Obviously, didn't win the bowl game. Got a little salty about it, and then they lose to an FCS team to open the season. It's uh, pretty incredible when you think about it. But yeah, some would say you know they probably suspended their way into a loss. I you know I don't I don't, I don't know. I don't know how good Tulsa is supposed to be this year. But it's interesting, to say the least, you know, that an FCS team could from California goes into Tulsa and then wins the game. Pretty impressive stuff. So congratulations to those guys. All right, so let's move on to the schedule here. Big, big, big weekend. A lot of activity, of course. Central Michigan and Missouri. You guys know I like Missouri. I don't think that they're a contender in the East, but again, they will they will help determine who wins the East because they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't. Central Michigan, no idea what to expect from those guys. Akron, of course, at Auburn. Auburn should win that game handily, just on athleticism alone. Eastern Illinois at South Carolina. I'm really hoping Shane Beamer gets a win there in Week One, and he, and he certainly should. Made some headlines this week with uh, you know naming a GA as the starting quarterback. That's kind of unorthodox. You know, they had some injuries there at the position and just need a stopgap guy, I guess. But uh, quite unorthodox, shall we say, Shane. Uh, Georgia at Clemson, that, that's a huge game. I can't wait to get to home to watch that. You know, we'll be finishing up, you know, post-game Mississippi State. I'll be hopefully get home for the second half. I actually picked Clemson in the ball game, but I really like this Georgia team a lot. I think they have a chance to do some big things. Uh, Florida Atlantic at Florida, you know, Dan DeMann should handle those guys pretty well, provided he doesn't wear shorts. Kent State at Texas A&M, the Golden Flashes, you know, that's – they're not going to compete, man. I mean, it, they're just not. A&M ranked number six in the country. I think that is a bit lofty, especially considering their quarterback situation is largely unproven. But A&M is going to be good this year. They really are. East Tennessee State at Vanderbilt, you know, that's the Clark Lee uh, you know, kickoff classic up there. Got some friends on that staff up there. Barton Simmons, of course, 247 Sports, uh, working up there in the recruiting aspect of things. Wish those guys well. Um, they should get off to a good start with East Tennessee State. If they don't, you know, it's going to be a long uphill battle all year. But, listen, this is going to be at least a three- or four-year project for, for Lee. I think he's safe for at least three seasons. I think there's any question. LSU out in California against UCLA. You know, as great as that sounds, nobody's going to be. LSU may take over the stadium. 
The Bruins may not even have any fans there. I mean, you saw some of those Pac-12 area views last weekend. I mean, it's a joke, man. People are like, oh, well, this is going on, that's going on. Yeah, and that's why I'm so blessed to live in the southeast, man. It's like, you know, I'd love to have a lot of things going on. But, you know, I like Mississippi State. That's who I want to see play. So I'm not going to see the stinking Dodgers. You know, I'm not going to see the Lakers. Not even going to see the Mississippi Braves. I want to see the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And there will be a lot of LSU fans that make the trip. LSU fans travel really well. Chance to go out there and play in L.A., why would you not go? So I won't be the least bit surprised. The least bit surprised if LSU takes over that stadium, and that's all you hear. Uh, your Labor Day game, Louisville and Ole Miss, and, you know, when they first scheduled that game, people were like, hey, this could be interesting. I don't know how interesting it's going to be. I just don't think that Louisville can score with Ole Miss. And uh, we're going to talk about Ole Miss a lot later in the show. But, you know, defensively, Ole Miss expected to be abysmal. And I go back to, it's like, you know, they, according to a member of the media who covers Ole Miss, that they limited access to practice because they – were somewhat unhappy about some of the coverage they got about their defensive play in the first scrimmage. Well, you know, Lane Kiffin's the one that said a lot of that stuff. And so they started limiting their access. Here's the thing that I would offer, guys, is that if you want, don't want bad coverage about bad defense, don't play bad defense. You know, if, you, if you're going to get unflattering coverage, it, there's usually some, some root to that, especially when it's your media. It's not like the Mississippi State thing where we have people out there with these hot takes that have never attended a game at Mississippi State they don't come to practice. They don't have a relationship with the staff, but they have all these opinions. And so you take all that with a grain of salt. But when it's your media, it's you guys on your beat, and they're all kind of regurgitating the same information. You know, Dave Johnson, uh, I think Dave Johnson's probably one of the more credible people on the Ole Miss beat, if not the most credible person on the Ole Miss beat. And if Dave Johnson says, hey, the defense really struggled, then the defense really struggled. You know, Dave's not necessarily a homer. He's an Ole Miss guy. And, yeah, he wants to see Ole Miss do well. I mean, goodness, he had a kid on the team. But Dave Johnson's not going to go out there and just create a story or create a false narrative about defense. So, yeah, will Louisville be in the ballgame because of their defense? Probably. Could Louisville win the ballgame? Yeah, they could. But I just think Ole Miss, especially with Matt Corral, because he has some tremendous arm talent. I know it's easy to hate on the Ole Miss side of things because you don't want to give them credit for anything. Matt Corral's a really good player. His decision-making is questionable sometimes. But, hey, when things are right, when he gets good protection and he can throw the ball in rhythm, he's, he's impressed to watch. He really is. And so because of that, I think Ole Miss wins the ballgame. I think Ole Miss will get better quarterback play, and I think they'll be able to score. I just don't think Louisville can stay with them. So that's, that's your winners this weekend. Kentucky, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, Missouri, Auburn, South Carolina, Clemson, that's the only SEC loss that I see, is Georgia. Florida winner, A&M, Vandy, LSU, Ole Miss. So it should be a good weekend for football in the Southeastern Conference. All right, time for today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's B-L-A-I-R, CloseWithBlair.com. Known Blair a long time. Long time friend of mine. And here's the deal, guys. I don't do business with people that I don't trust. And so if I give you a personal endorsement like I'm doing now, you can rest assured that you're going to be protected. Blair Chandler is one of the top 1% loan originators in the industry, not just Mississippi, not just central Mississippi, 
not just with Fairway Mortgage, who he works with, one of the top five mortgage lenders in America. Blair's a guy to get things done. And so you say, you know what, Steve, we've always dreamed of home ownership, but we're not going to qualify. You know what? Let Blair help you with that too. Give him a call, send him an email, and say, you know what? Hey, I've been turned down before. I've had some problems in the past. I'd love to get off this hamster wheel of renting. I'd love to be able to invest in a home that perhaps I can pass down to my family and keep it in our family for generations. This is always be our home place. That's a wonderful thing to be able to do. Blair can help you with that. Whether it's your first mortgage, whether it's a second mortgage, it's a refi, perhaps an investment property. There's no mortgage that Blair hasn't seen. He's seen it all, done it all. I can promise you he's gotten people with a, a less advantageous situation than you approved. Contact him today. Closeofblair.com. Better yet, let me give you his phone number. Maybe you're not a person that really likes the, uh, you know, the uh, the internet. Maybe you're like, I don't want, I'd just rather deal with somebody over the phone so I can explain. Then let me give you a phone number. 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Closewithblair.com. Okay, I was going to do the Women of Rock today, we, but I remember we did something similar a while back. We had some response about the Joan Jet list, and a lot of people said, Steve, I had no idea how many covers she had in her catalog, and it's a lot. It's a lot, and a lot of that says, you know what, songwriting's not a strong suit, and even I Hate Myself for Loving You was written by Desmond Child with Joan Jett as a co-write. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean that Joan Jett doesn't rock. She does. So I was going to do Lita Ford today, and I was like, man, the catalog is not deep enough. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll do like, you know, the Women of Rock of the 80s. And then I said, you know what, it's been a long week, and I hadn't had a lot of time to do a lot of things. I had to work on the book stuff earlier in the week, and you know, my wife had surgery on Wednesday. And I feel like I've kind of been chasing my tail all week. And so I wanted to put a list together. I'm gonna, this is a new series for the top ten list, and this will run, I guess, for what, six weeks maybe? Or six shows, excuse me. I'm going to give you my first favorites. According to, I guess it's classicrock.com or ultimateclassicrock.com, I found what they consider the top 10 rock bands of the 70s. And so I'm going to give you my first favorite song of each of those bands. They ranked them 10 through 1. I made one adjustment. I'll get to that a little bit later. So we'll do 70s today. We'll do 80s on Monday, 90s, 2000s, we'll go 2010s, and then 2020s. And there's not a lot to pick from in 2020, but I want to also let you guys know, kind of let you into uh, what I think about modern rock. I listen to that stuff too. All right, so these are my first favorite songs from the top 10 rock bands from the 1970s. Now, they had The Who on the list. I don't like The Who at all. So I bumped them, and I replaced them with Aerosmith. Because to be honest with you, any top 10 list from the 1970s that doesn't have Aerosmith, I kind of question. I mean, Aerosmith is America's greatest rock band. I don't think there's any question. You can make an argument, Aerosmith may be the Eagles. Best American classic rock bands. Simple as that. So the who is out, Aerosmith is in, in their spot. Okay, so number 10, based off their list, the number 10 hard rock band from the 1970s was Black Sabbath. And so I love Black Sabbath. I love War Pigs. But the song that really got me in was Paranoid. Let's go for Paranoid at number 10. Love Ozzy's voice on that one, too. 
I'm a big Aussie guy, too. I know we've had this discussion before, and I contend this. And, and when we have conversations about music and we sit around and kind of shoot pool and have a good time, the Jakey e. Lee years were the better Aussie years. They were. You can say what you want to about Randy Rhodes being a better technical player than Jake, and that's fair. But the better songs were during the Jakey e. Lee era. And I feel like that Ozzy really matured as a vocalist during that stretch. Of course, technology got better later in his career, but um, you know, one of the most recognizable voices in all of music. When you, know, when you hear Ozzy, like even on that Post Malone song, Take What You Want, I mean, you know exactly who you're listening to. Number nine, one of my favorites, and, and I could have gone a lot of different directions here. Number nine is Deep Purple. I really like Deep Purple. Now, I could have easily gone with Knocking at Your Back Door. I love that song. I, matter of fact, Perfect Strangers was the first Deep Purple album that I owned. Not, not counting like a greatest hits, like a real album. But I love that song, Knocking at Your Back Door. But my favorite, the, my favorite first, my first favorite of Deep Purple is the classic Smoke on the Water. How could anybody not like that song? It is one of the best rock songs of all time. That's your number nine, number nine track, Deep Purple's Smoke on the Water. According to Ultimate Classic Rock, number eight top rock band in the 1970s, Leonard Skinner. Now, pronounced Leonard Skinner, I had that on cassette. It was put out by MCA. I had second helping, Street Survivors, all the great ones. But for me, the very, my very first favorite Leonard Skinner song was not Free Bird. It wasn't even Simple Man. And I love, do love them both. Number one for me was Give Me Three Steps. Because I, I love the little story inside the song. And sometimes that's kind of my, give, my, my go-to karaoke song, too. I do Simple Man sometimes, too. But I like Give Me Three Steps. That, that gets people excited. People love that song. Number seven, The Eagles. Legendary band. I really like the Glenn Fry stuff the best, to be honest with you. Like if, I, like, if I had to pick through that catalog, I really like the songs that Glenn Fry wrote and sung, probably the best. I think Lion Eyes is uh, one of the greatest songs ever recorded. But my first really true favorite song from the Eagles, and maybe it's because it was a little bit uh, mysterious, and maybe because of the fact that like it was one of those things that were people like, hey, don't listen to this because it's of the devil and so you know it's like it's kind of like the, the the garden of eden you know it's like you can have everything but this it's like oh well, that's i didn't want it until you said i couldn't have it and so that's kind of how this is you know hotel california is the song and it, you know it's a song it's basically about you know about you know the advent of uh you know the church of of, of the devil out in california in san diego california uh, a dark, dusty highway, cool wind in my hair. And supposedly that uh, Anton LaVey's daughter is in the picture on the album cover. Now, I don't know if any of that's true, but they kind of let that linger out there. And I think because of the fact that added some, some mystery to the album. And a lot of people were like, Man, this, this, is, this is some next level stuff here. But I liked it, again, because there's a story there. And you're not even sure how the story ends, even though it says you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. And then Joe Walsh just lays down a hammer lick on you. Number six, Aerosmith. I have loved Aerosmith my entire life. I mean, I don't remember a time in my life when I haven't listened to Aerosmith, even when I was a little kid, because you know, they got played a lot on the radio. You know, I grew up, uh, when I was a little bitty kid, 
I lived with my grandparents. And so I had an uncle that was in high school. And so I grew up, he was in a band, and uh, they you know, played a lot of shows and that sort of stuff. And so I looked up to him a lot. And so it, it was nothing for me to wake up, you know, hearing Kiss or Bachman Turner Overdrive or Aerosmith, um, the cars. I mean, it was like, you know, he and his friends to me were like superheroes because they could play guitars and they hung out together and they drove cool cars and they all had girlfriends. And I wanted all that stuff too. I wanted to be able to play a guitar and I wanted to have a girlfriend. I wanted to be able to drive a fast car. All that stuff was great. And so Aerosmith was something, even though the, my great-grandfather was a minister, I remember my uncle had a Craig stereo. It was incredible. And so I walked by his room, and I'm, I'm always hearing this and hearing him and my cousin Charlie trying to play, you know, Sweet Emotion and things like that. But the first song that I remember that really scratched the edge was Dream On from Aerosmith. And ironically, that album came out the same year that I was born. And how cool is it to think that that was on Aerosmith's first ever album? Like, album number one, and then that's, that's what you have? You come up with Dream On in your very first album. It's almost like Guns N' Roses coming up with Welcome to the Jungle. It's like, what? That was, what? It's crazy. Number five, I've shared with you guys before, the first record that I ever bought with my own money when I was eight years old took my birthday money. I'd been saving everything that I could find. Like if I ever found a nickel, dime, or a quarter, anything laying around, I took it and pocketed it and I put it in my dresser drawer. Anytime that I could get some money, I saved it. And then when I had a birthday, you know, people give you money. And so went to McClellan's next to uh, Piggly Wiggly there in Columbia, Mississippi. And uh, bought Queen the Game. I didn't know about sales tax back then. I thought they were scamming me. And so my stepdad paid the extra dollar for sales tax. And then I owned Queen the Game, and I could listen to your number five song, Another One Bites the Dust, whenever I wanted to. And it changed me as a person. Even to this day, it's like I, I have this piece of history. I have this piece of art that I can enjoy whenever I want to. You know, back in those days, you know, we, we we had to listen to the radio hoping our favorite songs came on. And then, of course, I started doing the countdown shows, you know, most requested songs. But you may go your whole day without hearing your favorite song. Or you might be in the car, be in the store, watching TV, your favorite song comes on and you miss it. It was a tough life, man. And so when I could listen to Another One Bites the Dust whenever I wanted to, it changed me as a person. It really did. Number four. Fleetwood Mac. And my youngest daughter, Mia, would be so overjoyed because she is a Fleetwood Mac fan. Her younger brother, my youngest son, Ian, also loves Fleetwood Mac. They get it. My, my youngest daughter thinks Stevie Nicks is the coolest woman who has ever lived. And you know what? She might be right. But my favorite, first favorite from Fleetwood Mac was actually pretty close to an instrumental. And I remember seeing the video on MTV, and they're out there with the USC marching band, and they're performing Tusk. So that's your number four. My first favorite from Fleetwood Mac was Tusk. Now, if you ask me today, I don't. some days it's The Chain, and some days it's Go Your Own Way. But I just know that Lindsey Buckingham picking us guitar solos out on those two tracks with no pick says a lot about his ability. That guy is a phenomenal guitarist. Doesn't get enough credit. He's an incredible songwriter. He is noted for that. 
He is an incredible guitar player, and I think it's time that we all admitted that. Number three, the Rolling Stones. Now, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't huge into the Rolling Stones in the beginning because a lot of that stuff they played, like on Top 40, I I just didn't get it as much. And a lot of it, too, it was kind of a coming of age for me that, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones were more of a corporate band by then. But the first time that I heard the song Only Rock and Roll, I didn't even know that it was the Rolling Stones. I just knew that I loved the song from the very beginning. And, it, and you know, it's almost you know, no pun intended there. I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. That's kind of how it was for me in that song. It's like I didn't know the Rolling Stones even sang this. But this is a killer track. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know how it is, there's some bands you just kind of fight it for a while. You're like, you know, I got to admit that song's really good. And then it kind of softens the blow a little bit, and then they can kind of get in. You know, that's how it was for me. I'm not a huge Stones guy like a lot of you people. I, I truly respect them and the fact they've been doing it forever and a day. It's, it's amazing. But I don't know how anybody doesn't have a favorite Rolling Stones song. I mean, there's so many great ones. I mean, you know, Tumbling Dice, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. I mean, you go back, you know, to kind of the pre-MTV era. There, there's some incredible live versions of Wild Horses on YouTube. Like the you know people have uh, digitized and put out there for these future generations to go see, and some of that is better than what you hear on the record. I mean, it is phenomenal how good the Rolling Stones are live. Number two, a band that uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of this band. You know, back when uh, you know before I got clean and sober, I was a much bigger fan of this band, and for obvious reasons. But it's Pink Floyd, and uh, I know many of you are thinking, oh, he's going comfortably numb here. I'm not. I'm not, even though I listened to that song an awful lot in the uh, early 90s. Go to Planetarium. You know what I'm talking about. Um, but for me, it goes back even before then, when I was much younger. And maybe it's because of the fact that I was a school kid and uh, really didn't like school all that much. But, you know, another brick in the wall, part two, it's like, hey, teachers, leave those kids alone. And I felt like, you know what? This is an adult that gets us, man. You're right. Teachers, leave us alone, right? Listen to that guy. And so I didn't even really get it. Didn't know what that was. The song was even about. But I, I dug it. Even as a young kid, I thought it was an incredible song, and it is. And if you've never watched The Wall, let me encourage you to do so. It's even a different. It's a more. It's even a different experience when you watch it sober. Uh, but The Wall is uh, is pretty wild, man. It is. But the number one rock band from the 1970s. And I'm so glad that I, that I was alive for the kind of the tail end of this thing. It's Led Zeppelin. Now, I sent the list to Roy, and Roy's like, well, no Stairway to Heaven? Well, no, Roy, no. And I love Stairway to Heaven. But my favorite, my first favorite Led Zeppelin song, and there are a ton. I, there is not there maybe a handful of songs in the entire catalog that I'm just kind of eh about. Crazy about Led Zeppelin, even to this day. But number one for me, my first favorite was rock and roll. I don't know how anybody, if you, when, when John Bonham lays down that opening lick on the drums and you can hear the hi-hat in the background and then Jimmy Page comes running in, I don't, I don't know how your heart just doesn't take off and run. It is one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. And I'll tell you this, when, when I was a kid, we used to have to listen to the radio. And that sounds so you know novel today because I'm from the 1900s there, Sonny. But we had to listen to the radio. 
And so I used to listen to WRNO out of New Orleans because we could get that in my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi. And they used to play the metal shop and, and there was all this stuff with the Westwood One Radio Network. And sometimes you could hear live concerts and it'd be Robert Plant one week and then the next week, you know, it'd be Motley Crue. And then the next week it'd be, you know, Rat or it'd be Foreigner. And so you had a concert of the week, which is incredible. And so I would lay out at night, I'd lay up and listen to those shows. It was incredible. But one, one year, they, WRNO took requests like the entire year. Like people could vote. And you got to think, too, this is back before the age of the Internet. You know, nowadays you put out, you got a pretty good list in an hour. Okay, everybody vote for the greatest rock and roll song of all time. They did this for a year. They tallied votes for a year. And then number one rock song, according to the listeners of WRNO, was Rock and Roll by Led Zeppelin. And that made quite an impression on me. I'd already loved the song, but it's all of a sudden it's like, you know what? All of these people can't be wrong. Rock and roll. That's it, man. So we're, so we're going to take Ultimate Classic Rock's top 10 bands of the 80s. And I might have to make an exception somewhere along the way, right? Because like I told you, I didn't do The Who. And the best Who song is My Generation, just, just so you know. Um, but I'm not a Who fan. So we'll do So Monday will be 80s. Wednesday will be 90s. And I know, and listen, you're saying, oh, well, if it's 90s, Steve's not going to mention Nirvana. No, I'm not. I'm going to let them, I'm going to, I'm not going to omit them from the list. Well, I'm not a Nirvana fan. It is, uh, it is irresponsible and dishonest to suggest that they did not have a major impact on, on the music scene at the time. They did. They're a big part of it. They kind of capitalized on what Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Mudhoney and Screaming Trees and the Melvins and uh, many others had already done. But yeah. They help change a lot of things. So, yeah, they'll get their just due on the show on uh, when we do the 90s. So that's kind of what we're going to do. First, fa- My first favorites by decade from the 1970s up until till now. And so Max had to work hard on the 2020s because there's not a lot of new rock bands out today that uh, I'm totally crazy about. But, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. There's a lot of bands out there that from, the tw- from the 2000s and the 2010s that I absolutely love, and I'm looking forward to sharing those lists with you. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookMart.net. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. Matter of fact, I just texted with Kathy Brown earlier today. They're very soon going to have some Mississippi State backpacks. I know a lot of people like, you know, when the kids go back to school, you kind of just got to get what you can get, and it's not necessarily what the kids want. So if you didn't get that Mississippi State backpack, maybe consider that for Christmas because there's going to be some new Mississippi State backpacks coming soon to campusbookmart.net. Get your hoodies, your t-shirts, everything else. Outfit your family in the latest maroon and white fashions right there at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, I'll give you a phrase that pays. Listen to this show, save you some money, right? BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk about Ole Miss. I'm not going to talk about this softball scandal. I know many of you want me to talk about this. I'm not going to. I don't know enough about it. I only know what, the, what I've read, and I'm not going to go start asking people. I, it just doesn't matter to me. The one thing that I will say is that, um, you know, it's kind of like the flim-flam thing all over again. It's like there is an unflattering story about Ole Miss, and the Ole Miss media, by and large, is kind of ignoring the story. Now, you guys may remember that Trip Wilson – walk-on wide receiver from Tupelo, uh, got a DUI, and that made the paper. 
they couldn't wait to get into paper. And so the Mississippi State guys report. We didn't report on it because we don't report on student arrests. We just don't. You know, I, I know I'm going to defend a DUI. But my point being is that it's incredible how the two schools are treated. Because everybody's got an editor, right? And we think, okay, well, well it's, you know, it's all clickbait. I mean, it's like you know, you're doing things to generate clicks, to generate revenue. And there is some truth in every bit of that. So why would a struggling newspaper, somebody that is you know, really struggling to generate revenue, why would they ignore a story like this? You don't think that's going to generate some clicks and in turn some revenue and possibly some subscriptions? It just kind of flies in the face of what we know about the media industry. Why, why would you do it? Now, some have suggested, hey, you know, these allegations may not be true. And you know what? You're exactly right. So why not get on the phone and find out? Because wouldn't that be a big story, too? Wouldn't that drive some clicks, too? It's like, hey, we've done some research, and we think that these uh, allegations are kind of flimsy on their face. And here's why. And that's what journalists do. Now, uh, Dave Johnson, Ben Garrett, I, I don't read over there a lot, but I understand that they actually did dedicated some time to this on their podcast. And so I'm not necessarily talking about those guys. I'm really talking about you know, the print media. It's like it's understandable you know, when you've got you know guys that, that work for a school you know site or a fan site. You know, you're dependent on relationships at times, and I know sometimes you really want to tread lightly because you want to make sure you've got your, your your ducks in a row. But how is the print media? How is the Clarion Ledger and the Daily Journal and, and many others? You know how are they able to navigate through this with a straight face, and they won't even aggregate or acknowledge the story? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like the Hugh Freeze thing all over again. It is. It makes no sense to me. And it's, it's interesting. There were so many people, you know, when I was at the break in this news left and right about the old Miss stuff. And they're like, hey, you need to cover your school. Oh, well, okay. I'm going to sit this one out. Will, will you guys cover your school? Can, we, can you get that done for us? How about that? That'd be great, right? Don't make me have to scoop you again. Because I will if I have to, you know, when the time comes. But let's talk about Ole Miss football here for a second. Now that we've talked about that stuff. And, again, I'm not touching the scandal thing with a 10-foot pole because, you know, anybody can make an allegation. And I understand there's been some formal complaints made. And, again, I don't know a lot about it. I've read what you all have read. Um, And it's a mess for sure. It's an absolute mess. No matter how it comes out, you know, somebody's going to look really bad in this deal and more than likely a lot of people. But it's always so interesting to me. It's like there's so much that goes on. And then, you know, we, when something gets negatively reported about Mississippi State, it's like, well, you know, they're just doing their jobs. But yet, when the shoe is on the other foot, I guess we're not doing our jobs? Is that, is that the precedent that we're going to follow? Is that we're not, we're not doing our jobs? Because I, I, I can probably get down with that because I think that's really the case. I've written some stories in the past that people at Mississippi State weren't real happy about. I got some phone calls from Bill Martin before. You know, Bill is at Tennessee now. Not that ever Bill ever told me what to write or what not to write. There have been times I'd say, hey, Bill, listen, I'm running this story on this day, and here's, here's what's going on. I'm giving you the heads up so you don't get blindsided, but we're fixing to run this story. And a lot of times you have that conversation because sometimes people can kind of fill in some gaps for you. So you know what, hey, you, you've got it right, but you're not totally right. And then they'll say, hey, let me get with so-and-so and see if we can't get you a quote or whatever. You know, you know, it's, I've never, I'm not calling to ask for permission. I'm calling it professional courtesy. And sometimes that leads to more information that's very beneficial to you guys. 
But, you know, we don't like having to report negative news either, but it's part of the gig. You think I wanted to sit out here and record, you know, a, you know, an hour and a half long barnyard to explain Tudorgate to you guys? If you, in case you've forgotten, that came out like one minute after the NCAA announced it, that we were going on probation. We also had three stories ready to go. We also had, I think, four stories ready to go the day that Joe Moorhead was terminated. We already had all that ready to go kind of hinted around in the days leading up to that that Joe was in trouble. Because we, I feel like that our loyalty is to you guys first. You know, we cover Mississippi State on Mississippi State's terms, but there's going to be some things that we have to report at times that are not going to be great news. It's not all rainbows and unicorns and lucky charms. You know, sometimes things happen. Sometimes kids get in trouble. Sometimes coaches get in trouble. Sometimes people do stupid things, and we have an obligation to report that. We do. Now, sometimes I get a phone call and say, hey, here's what's really going on. And that's helpful because then I can you know, share with you guys and share with our subscribers on Gene's page, oh, here's what's really happened. There's a lot of times that you know, rumors will circulate, oh, this is happening, this guy's down. It just, I had somebody just the other day message me and say, is it true that Will Rogers tore his ACL in the scrimmage? No. Oh, well – friend of mine said he read it on the internet well a lot of times what's on the internet's true but there are a lot of other people out there they'll go post something and then if it doesn't work out and they start getting called out they can just delete their account and start another one there's no accountability with that sort of stuff and so we we want to be right and there are sometimes it's just like the jordan davis news you know we're there at the scrimmage game we all see him get carted off the field we want to report it we're on the message board saying hey it doesn't look good waiting, you know, to get some information. And, and the initial reports, you know, were somewhat favorable. But then it faded pretty quick. And so we're all, you know, we're, we're asking. You know, I asked Michael Leach in the press conference myself. He's been asked multiple times since then. And he's not going to talk about injuries. So we're not ever going to get an official you know, confirmation from Mike Leach. But Jordan Davis hadn't been in practice since the first scrimmage. Tells you all you need to know. And then somebody else says, hey, according to sources, you know, okay, cool. They're not reporting anything that we hadn't already, but it's, it's a little more difficult when you've got to go stand in a press conference and face the coach. You've got to make sure you've got it nailed down. And I'm sure that's some of the things that are going on with this other itch issue as well, but it's like I, I'm not allergic to reporting bad news, you know, if it's true. But, again, it's just interesting no matter what anybody says or does, there is clearly two different standards when it comes to covering Mississippi State and Ole Miss in the state. All right, looking at Ole Miss football, uh, they went 5-5 five and five last year, which capped their fifth consecutive non-winning season. They have not had a winning season since 15. They had a losing season in 16, 17. Uh, I guess they went 500 a couple times. So, so they have not had a winning year since 15. So 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Five straight years of non-winning football. They go 5-5 five and five last year, and uh, had they played Texas A&M, would have had another losing record. All right, so the story on Ole Miss is offense. And you've got an offensive-minded coach in Lane Kiffin. You've got a very talented quarterback in uh, Matt Corral. And then Jeff Levy as a guy that was uh, considered to be a finalist for the Central Florida job and uh, a guy that a lot of people think a lot of. And, and I continue to hear – you know, from my friends in the coaching circles, that he, you know, with a good year this year, he's gone. He will be a head coach very, very soon, possibly this next year. 
He was nearly a head coach this year. But, you know, his name is out there. People recognize him as a guy that understands how to cultivate and develop quarterbacks and then kind of build an offense around them. Uh, they scheme you up. They do a really good job. And a lot of people attribute that to Lane. But I'm told Jeff is kind of the mastermind behind that, that, you know, Jeff and Lane both work together, but that Jeff is kind of, you know, the, the, you know, the driving force behind that offense. And you know what? And good for him. They're going to throw it around a lot. Now, they don't have Elijah Moore this year, obviously. You know, Braylon Sanders, of course, got hurt last year. But, uh, you know, they're going to have some dudes out there. John Rice Plumley has made the, uh, the move to slot receiver full-time now. And so he's going to be interesting. You know, that's a gadget guy you can do a lot with. You can bring him in the backfield, motion him in, give him the football. The guy's a very talented runner. You know, at times last year, you know, kind of fought the football a little bit. Uh, as a receiver, but uh, you know now that he's embraced that, hey, that guy could be a real weapon. Is he? He's not Elijah Moore though. And they lost Kenny Yaboya, and I, you know he was a guy too that uh, you remember he was a transfer, I guess, from Temple. Came in, really did a good job. Not electric speed, but good hands for a bigger guy. But it's uh, it's not the same receiving core you had a year ago. You know, Dontario Drummond's a guy that was basically a third or fourth receiver last year, and then Braylon Sanders is a guy, obviously that. Uh, you know, a guy that nearly came to Mississippi State, stayed elected not to take him, he goes to Ole Miss and has had a good career. So, you know, probably a mistake on our part. Offensive line last year was uh, was really young. Really young. And, uh, you know, Ben Brown, I guess, kind of the uh, the cornerstone. Their lifelong Ole Miss guy, Ben Brown. And, you know, and, and I've said this before. I think it's a great thing when young guys get a chance to play at their favorite school growing up. And so that's been the case for Ben Brown. And you know what? Congratulations to you, Ben, for having a chance to live your dream. And uh, it's really kind of the anchor of that, of that front. They lose a couple guys, though. And so it'll be interesting, you know, to see how they go because, you know, running the football has not been a strong point. Jerry and Ely did not play baseball this year. You know, he had an offseason uh, kind of cleanup procedure that kept him out of the baseball lineup. I'm not sure how much difference that would have made because uh, Ole Miss swung it pretty good. I, th- I think, that, you know, he d- unless he was going to go pitch in the bullpen, I don't know how much of a difference he would have made. Uh, Snoop Connor has really been better than advertised. You know, a lot of people thought State should have taken him. We didn't, and I thought he really fit our scheme pretty well. We elected not to take him. But he has exceeded my expectations. You had a chance to watch him in high school and really liked him. Wasn't sure he was an SEC guy, but uh, he has really shown some flashes and proven his worth. Uh, up there at Ole Miss. And I know these people are like, oh, you know, we got the best running back room in the country. No, you don't. You don't even have the best running back room in the state. But uh, Ely's a good guy. Now, how they utilize him will kind of remain to be seen. But um, they've got some pieces on offense, and I think they're going to be able to score with a lot of people. The problem they're going to have is when teams can kind of control the game, limit their offensive possessions. Because, listen, Matt Corral sometimes, too, We'll kind of go off the reservation a little bit and, uh, you know, free will, make a bad decision, and you know, turn the football over. Next thing you know, you're in trouble. It's like kind of what you saw last year against Arkansas. But this is a defense that was not good. One of the worst in the country. They were historically bad. And that has kind of been the case about Ole Miss, you know, with rare exception the last decade. They can say, you know, well, Steve, you know, 2014, and that defense was really, really good in 2014. And it has regressed every year since then. When you continue to recruit and push your best athletes on defense, 
uh, excuse me, on offense, this is kind of what happens. And it goes back to something, I guess the original quote uh, is probably attributed to, uh, to Butch Thompson, former Mississippi State assistant coach and current Auburn baseball coach Butch Thompson, is you recruit who you want, but you sign who you are. So if you are a offense, as we saw under Hugh Freeze and even Matt Luke to a certain extent, if you're going to throw the football a ton, you're going to attract receivers. You're starting to sit up with Mike Leach. Hey, we're going to throw it a bunch. We need our receivers. And once you kind of prove it on the field, which is what Ole Miss did, and then you get A.J. Brown. You get D.K. Metcalf. And, and, and listen, D.K. was always going there, but you understand my point. But what evidence do you have that you can develop a defensive player? And so it's like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a sleeper or whatever. No, no, no. This is just what you always had. You recruit who you want, but you sign who you are. Why do you think Mississippi State continues to sign quality defensive linemen? It's because of Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox and Preston Smith. You're like, oh, well, listen, that's, those guys went to Mississippi State. They know how to develop defensive linemen. Some of that was David Turner. But the pedigree kind of continues. And so we play a good brand of defense. You saw last year, even with a you know, four and seven team, Mississippi State fourth in the SEC in defense. It's like those guys know how to play. Oh, well, you got Martin Emerson, Emmanuel Forbes, guys who were all SEC according to a couple publications. Well, then, okay, look at how many DBs you got committed for this year. Because not only do you have the expectation, now you have the performance to go with it. You got the production. And so one of the reasons that we continue to recruit well defensively and that Ole Miss continues to recruit well, uh, especially wide receiver, is because of the pedigree you've established. It's like I've never wor- – like when Dan Mullen was here, I never worried about us getting a great running back. Never. Because Dan had shown, we're going to use a running back. We're going to do a good job doing this. We're going to go get a running style quarterback. We're going to be able to recruit those guys. And he did a good job doing that. I mean, Keaton Thompson you know, is one of the, the, the favorite players in Virginia, right? Nick Fitzgerald's a guy we, we beat, you know, Middle Tennessee State for him. Guy set school records. Guy set SEC records. You know, so it's like, again, you can go out there and say, hey, we want to get that NFL prospect at quarterback, but you're going to get the guy that does what you do. And so that's why Ole Miss has struggled. It's because, number one, they have no identity on defense. And then you can go out and you can go you can get a bunch of JUCO guys, and they're flushed out of the program pretty soon. They hadn't really done anything. But um, it's interesting. Second to worst in the nation last year, allowing 519 yards a game and 38 points. And we're like, hey, we're going to be, we're going to be better on defense. You can't just wish it into existence. How, how are you going to be better on defense? Oh, well, we went and signed a bunch of kids. Oh, so you're going to put a bunch of newcomers out there. It's not how it works. And you can say, well, they had to be somewhat better on defense, Steve. They were next to last in the country. You're right. I guess they could be 10th from the bottom and be considered better. They're just kind of setting that up. Hey, well, we're better than last year. Yeah. Yeah, maybe only give up 500 yards a game this year. They're going to be awful on defense. Go and get ready for it. They're going to be awful on defense. And much like their bullpen issues in baseball, their defense is going to lose them games. They're going to have to win these track meets. Now, you look at these, you know, well, you know, they got some size on the D-tackle. Listen, Hal Northern is a guy from Rosa Ford High School. You know, we've had some success there too. You know, uh, you know McKinley, um, Scott was from there. Brendan Bryant was from there. Bernard McKinney was from there. And Hal Northern's got it, you know, had a good career there. But, uh, you know, 
ended up going to junior college, and then Ole Miss signs him. But um, you know, he's just a, he's just another guy. So they're trying to get more speed on the field, obviously in that three four alignment. And um, you know, last year they had uh, they had some pretty good backers, and then you lose Jacquez Jones to Kentucky. You know, he was a leading tackler on the team last year. So you, I mean, and, and that's the thing too. We get back to. You know, everybody's got a leading rusher and everybody's got a leading tackler, and that doesn't mean that they're great. But when you lose the most productive guy on your defense to another SEC team, that's not good. That's not good. Sam Williams uh, back. I like Sam Williams as a player a lot. I think he's a very physical guy, but very inconsistent. Four sacks on the year, which led the team. Probably need a much better year out of Sam. But that's the thing, too, is when there's not other people out there that you feel the need that you have to respect, then you can kind of double-team him a little bit. Secondary has got some depth. But when you look at that group, they couldn't stop anybody. They absolutely couldn't stop anybody. So it's kind of, you know, I must be better off if they were new. Not expecting a lot from that group. At all, especially on defense. A lot of people like A.J. Finley. They think that he has a chance to be a big-time player for them. I guess we'll see. You know, I just – you know, and that's the thing, too, is this is, a, this is a group of seniors. They've got a handful of, you know, upperclassmen on this team that are going to be really – expected to be really good that haven't been. And so you begin to think, okay, well, if we don't get better this year with a, with a veteran group, what's it going to look like the next year? And, again, I go back to you recruit who you want, you sign who you are. So we'll see how that progresses. Let's look at the schedule here. I guess before we do, let's look at last year's schedule. Because um, sometimes we forget, you know, we forget how things kind of played out last year. And um, – you know, this is an all-miss team too. I think we we talked a little bit about this the other day, but um, you know they went five and five last year. Obviously, they win the bowl game. They get beat fifty-one thirty-five in week one. That was a game for a while, and then Dan put it away late. They beat Kentucky on the road in a forty-two forty-one game, sixty-three uh, forty-eight losers to Alabama, and then that was all anybody could talk about. It's all the points they scored against Saban, um, and you know, hey, tip of the cap to that little style points there in the loss, but the loss still counts. They lose on the road at Arkansas 33-21, and that's been a house of horrors for Ole Miss football over the years is going to play in Fayetteville. Uh, they get Auburn. We talked about them getting cheated in that game, and, of course, they beat Vandy 54-21. And then they beat South Carolina 59-42 while Muschamp fired the next day. They beat us 31-24. And, uh, you know, there's a part of me that says, hey, you know, if we wouldn't have fumbled at the goal line here – you know what? If they don't go for it a couple times inside the 20, it's a two-score game. It doesn't go down to the end. I think Lang got a little bit too cute in that ball game. So, it, it boils down to more than just the one play. Uh, they don't play A&M, and uh, I still say they dodged them, and they get beat by OSU 53-48 in an absolute gully washer of a storm down there. We watched the end of that game from Davis Wade Stadium. Let's look at this year's schedule. And will they get a winning season this year? Yeah, probably so. And I think a lot of it hinges on the game in Atlanta on Monday, to be honest with you. They lose that ball game, it might be tough to get over 500. And I know some almost people are like, oh, no, we're going to go 8-4, and 9-3. You know, we're great. Just listen to us. You lose Monday night, it's going to be challenging. 
So then they'll they'll roll Austin P next Saturday, no question about that. And then they get Tulane in Oxford, and that might be an interesting ball game. Tulane, a pretty offensive team last year. Don't know if they can slow Ole Miss down, but that could be an entertaining game. Then they go on the road and play at Alabama. So I've got them three and zero going to Tuscaloosa. So there'll be some hype around that game, and then Alabama will beat them, and they'll probably score 35 points. You'll be like, see? Well, then they get Arkansas coming in. Not sure what to expect from Arkansas, but here's what I think I do know, is if you make a mistake against Arkansas, they will, they will shorten the game against you because they're going to be able to run the football. I don't know if I'm ready to call the upset just yet. I won't be surprised if Arkansas wins that game. I won't be. Arkansas has got some guys in the secondary. And then you're at Tennessee – and then you host LSU. That's the Eli Manning day. I wonder if somebody will step on his foot this week, this year too. Like, I mean, just for old time's sake, do you think they'll, they'll trot Doug Buckles out there, let Doug Buckles step on Eli's foot against LSU? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, just let's do it, guys. Let's do it big. Then they travel to Auburn. Then they host Liberty. Oh, my goodness. Hugh Freeze returning to Ole Miss. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Will you come in with uh, with an axe to grind? Yeah, that 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 might be the most high scoring game of the year. That, that's like, it's like watching like two of your ex girlfriends fight. You know, it's like you don't even know who you want to root for, but it's like you're kind of happy to see them. You know, both kind of get out of character a little bit. You know, um, Texas A&M. That's going to be interesting. That's also in Oxford, and then they get Vanderbilt. So and then they come to our place, which is an automatic loss. So. Let's run this down. I got them winning the first three. So they're three and one. And let's go ahead and do it. I'm going to call the upset Arkansas winning at Oxford. So they're three and two. I think they find a way to win at Tennessee because I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to score. So that's four and two. I got them losing to LSU, four and three. Going on the road to play Auburn. Ole Miss, not a good road team last year. I'm going to go with the Tigers, and it's four and four. Let's go ahead and do it now. In a major upset, let's pick Liberty to beat Ole Miss to make them four and five. Then they'll lose at A&M, right? They'll beat Vanderbilt, and then they'll lose to Mississippi State. You with me on that? Could win. They could win one of those toss-ups. So they could be a six and six type team this year, maybe, maybe seven and five. We'll see. They got to win some toss-ups. But that's a good thing, too, is if you're old Miss, you're thinking, hey, you know, there's not a lot of sure losses on the schedule. And to be fair, because they can score, I think the only game you look at and say, hey, they're totally out of it's Alabama. I do think LSU will out-athlete them, and I think they'll run the football. Teams that can run the football will beat Ole Miss. Auburn is going to be a team that can really run the football. Arkansas is going to be a team that can really run the football. So that's going to be interesting. You know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, Ole Miss is going to be able to score. With, but what's new, right? I mean, that's just kind of who they are and what they've done. But, uh, yeah, should be a decent year for them. I do think this is probably the year that they get over the hump. Maybe they win six and then we'll pull against them in a ball game. But, you know, they'll probably win six or seven games this year. But uh, we're getting ag back. You can wear whatever, whatever color you want to wear. They're supposed to wear navy. That'll be fine. It'll be dark anyway. It's a night game. It's Thanksgiving night. We'll be good to go. But, I, I mean, again, I look at the schedule and I think, you know, every one of the non-conference games is winnable. 
But they're also outside of Austin P. Every one of those games could be a loss too. You lose to Louisville and then beat Austin P. and somehow get upset by Tulane because you're looking ahead to Alabama. And this could be one of the greatest Ole Miss seasons in Mississippi State history. How about that? But they're going to score. And again, you could tell from the, the very beginning of Matt Carell's career, the guy had incredible arm talent. And so we expect him to throw it around a lot. Probably, you know, he'll get some big, big time numbers, but because I think this team is going to lose a lot. You know, I don't think this is – I don't think he's going to get a lot of uh, postseason accolades, and that might not be fair to him, to be honest with you. I know, like, a, people are like, oh, you know, he's got a chance to, you know, be a dark horse in the Heisman race. And you know what? He'll get the opportunity to put up those kinds of numbers. But, you know, guys that they are on seven and five, six and six type teams just don't just don't win that kind of stuff. Not to mention that there's a lot of other players out there that's going to have, uh, you know, some big, big numbers too. And the thing you think about too if you're Matt Corral is, you know, what happens when the pressure shifts to him is like, man, we're not going to be able to stop anybody. So then you got to go out there thinking you got to score every drive, and then it puts you know probably an unfair amount of pressure on him. So, again, looking forward to uh, to the football season, and uh, would love to see Ole Miss have another losing season. It'd be grand, especially with them losing that last one uh, in Starkville. So that's how I see Ole Miss, and uh, I'm sure many of you probably feel the same way. There are some of you I know that are scared to death. There are many of you that probably already have them in Atlanta and playing in the FBS playoff, uh, but that's not me because I, I understand that in, in college football you got to be able to play defense, and Ole Miss can't. And they're not going to be any better defensively than they were last year. I don't, I don't care what they say. The fact that they shut the media out of practice should say a lot. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. And even though it's football season, I'm going to talk about a baseball player. But I think it's important. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier about this, and um, I said, you know, I'm going to share this on the show because I love this story. I absolutely do. But Portico, that's your way to move. If, if you're looking to come to Starkville and make Starkville your home, you absolutely should. And so give Portico an opportunity to take care of you. Very easy to get to right off of 82. You turn off of 82 onto 12 like you're coming to campus. You take the very first right on Pat Station Road, takes you across all West Point Road, boom, there you are. That's how close you are to campus, just over a mile, exactly 1.1 miles from campus. But you're on the back side of campus. You're on the quiet side of campus. So close enough for convenience, far enough away for a little privacy, right? A little quiet out there. It's a great neighborhood, brand new construction, the latest and greatest construction in the greater Starkville area. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath, go to a four-bedroom, four-bath. It is a great place to live. That great walking trail out there. Phase one, absolutely complete. I believe there's one house left. And then phase two is opened up. So if you're looking to kind of move into there, uh, they're working through that now to get the uh, construction going. And, and you can go ahead and buy a, house, a home now, you know, while they're, while they're under construction. So give our friend Brooks Bryan a call today. Former Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryan. You love him. I love him. We should all be grateful to him for robbing that home run against the University of Washington and send us to Omaha. Give him a call today and thank him. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Guys, make Portico your next move. Okay. I know Brooks will appreciate this story. One of my favorite stories, and there are a couple about this guy, involving Mississippi State baseball. And I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know a lot about this guy until about two years ago, or maybe a year or so ago. Didn't know a lot about him. It's a phenomenal story. It's Buddy Meyer. 
Buddy Meyer from Ellisville, Mississippi, same place that my dad is from. They're from the free state of Jones. He was born in Evil, March 16th, 1904. Became a great baseball player at a young age and uh, began to get some major league attention out of high school. And there was no collective bargaining agreement like then, so it was kind of the wild, wild west in many respects. And so a lot of teams wanted to sign him, but his mom just felt like that he was just a little bit too young for that. He wasn't ready for life in the minors, wanted him to go to school and get his education. So like all great ball players of his day, Buddy Meyer elected to go to Mississippi State. Of course, we were Mississippi A&M back then, but he, you know, he knew a good thing when he saw it and said, I want to be a part of that. So he comes up here as a freshman, takes over the job at shortstop, and as an absolute dude, I mean, he is a stud. And now they're like, okay, hey, not only was he a great high school player, this is a freshman guy that's out here doing it, you know, against major college players. So the Washington Senators did something that was pretty much unprecedented at the time. They offered him a contract and then allowed him to play baseball at Mississippi State for two more years while he finished his college degree. His mom was like, hey, I want him to get a chance to play pro ball, but he promised me he would get his college degree. He's got to go to college. And they signed him anyway. Now, you couldn't do that today because of the collective bargaining agreement at NCAA. And, but, again, it was kind of the wild, wild west. And so they signed him, and he plays two more years for Mississippi State, hit what is believed to be the first grand slam in school history against Ole Miss. Has a great career at Mississippi State and then goes on to a great career with the Washington Senators. What's interesting about all of that is um, he was one of these guys, too, that was kind of working through a lot of changes in life. Uh, he was from a Jewish family, and there wasn't a lot of that in the state of Mississippi at the time. I mean, there wasn't a lot of places, you know, uh, to worship and that sort of stuff, you know, but... Uh, his dad's father was Jewish and from a devout Jewish family. And so Meyer wasn't necessarily raised Jewish, but because of the fact that there was still you know, some anti-Semitism in America at the time, he was kind of labeled as such. And so many of you I know have watched the movie 42. If you have not, let me encourage you to do it. It is a stand-up-and-cheer movie. Uh, I love the Jackie Robinson story. I, I hate some of the details. They make me very uncomfortable. Watching that movie with my kids made me uncomfortable at times, but at the end, I think everybody had probably a few tears in their eyes said, you know what, what a remarkable man. And look at what he did under those circumstances. But uh, So you may remember Ben Chapman, who was uh, the, the coach that, uh, with the Yankees that gave Jackie Robinson a very difficult time. Very, very, very difficult time. And Ben Chapman, of course, uh, you know, his, his legacy is tarnished by his prejudice. You know, he was a guy that just did not like people of color, did not like people that were different from him. But his taunting of Jackie was not limited just to Jackie Robinson. Ben Chapman also got into it with Buddy Meyer because of the fact that Buddy Meyer came from a Jewish family. And so... Chapman was with the Yankees when he tangled with Meyer. He was with the Phillies when he had his issues with Jackie Robinson. And the issue all lied with him. 
So when he was a player, he spiked Buddy Meyer. He goes in a second, spikes high, takes out Buddy Meyer, and then let the anti-Semitism fly. And so they get into it. Buddy Meyer and Chapman have a fight. It goes all the way up into the stands. It was an incredible brawl, and everybody got suspended. And so it's pretty clear, you know, Ben Chapman was just a rotten person, right? It, 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 he was – what was known about him for what happened against Jackie Robinson was bad enough to label him a bad person. But he did not discriminate in his bigotry as basically anybody different from him. He hated everybody. And uh, I hate to even bring that aspect of it up, but I think it's an important part of the story that here Buddy Meyer is from Eltham, Mississippi, one of your diamond dogs – also a subject of some of those things. But here's the deal. That happened in 1933. Buddy Meyer's best baseball was ahead of him. 1937, he was, a, he was chosen for the All-Star game, ended the year ninth in the league with a 407 on base percentage. 1938, he hit 336, fourth in the AL, just behind Jimmy Fox. He won the American League Batting Championship in 1935. In 1928, he was the American League stolen base leader, elected the All-Star Game 35 and 37. Came up with the Senators in 1925, played in 1927, was traded to the Red Sox, and then back to the Senators. Played all the way to 1941. One of the greatest. Could probably make an argument that... Um, he could potentially be in the Hall of Fame. 2,131 career hits in the major leagues, a career batting average of 303. More of a punch and Judy hitter, hit 38 dingers, 848 RBI. An outstanding, outstanding baseball player. I think it's important to kind of understand that your Bulldogs have always been good. We've always attracted great players. Buddy Meyer died in 1974 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A guy that nobody really talks about. It's been a long time. Not many people alive ever saw him play. But Buddy Meyer is a Mississippi hero and a Mississippi State hero. And so I wanted to share that with you guys, too, because I think it's important that, uh, again, we know. I know it's football season. I get it. But I was talking about him today, and I just thought, you know what, this is, uh, this is a story that many people don't know that they need to know. So there you go. Today's Mississippi State legend, American League All-Star, two-time American League All-Star, an American League batting champion and stolen base champ, Buddy Meyer from Jones County, Mississippi. Buddy, thank you for your contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. All right, folks, got to wrap it up. Got to go pick up the kid. It's been that kind of day. I'll get back and we'll get uh, get settled and and then we'll get ready to roll here. Uh, watch some baseball football tomorrow. Excited about that. Uh, dog pile is uh, being laid out this weekend. It'll head off to print next week and then we'll have a delivery date for you guys. Still waiting to get this pre-order link. It's like it's in line. You know, it's not anything that I control. I wish you guys would have had it a month ago, but uh, they're working on it. And so once they have it, I'll share it with you guys and you guys will be able to order to your heart is content and you can get signed copies, and guarantee that you get a book. 
we got bookstores that are panicking a little bit because they know that you got you guys are calling them saying hey are you guys going to carry this book when are you going to have it and so they're trying to get plenty of stock so as a result those orders are going to have to be met too and so to make sure you get a book best thing to do is to pre-order and uh, that link will be dogpilethebook.com once it's up and running if right now if you want to find books of mine go to alphadogsbook.com and you get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. If you want Blooms of Oleander, which is still on the bestseller list now, almost two months after release, which is great, you can get it from Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Books a Million, or from your favorite bookstore. Just walk in there and tell them that you want to order Blooms of Oleander by Steve Robertson, and they can get it for you. I believe in shopping and eating local and encourage you to do the same. Well, that's going to do it for today. Look forward to being back with you guys on Monday as we celebrate a Bulldog victory. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.